Hello, this is Saul Gonzalez, lead pastor of Lifehouse Church, and welcome to our podcast. Thank you so very much for joining us today. I believe that through this message, God will encourage you, challenge you, and better yet, change you for the glory of God and for the purposes God has called you. Enjoy this message. For those of you online, welcome to Lifehouse. For those of you online, welcome. Uh, Thank you for joining us. Thank you for just being someone who prays for this ministry. Thank you for those that contribute and you feel in your heart you want to be part of a church that God is using to, to plant churches, to lead thousands of people to know God, grow in community, and then go serve and make a difference. God has called us with a fivefold mission and purpose to reach the lost, retain the next generation. That means we want our kids and our grandkids to worship God in the house of God. And God has called this church to to um, uh, just lead or disciple the believer, disciple you. Those of you that are here and online, you need to grow, mature, uh, make roots uh, in Christ Jesus, and then encourage, equip, and empower the emerging leader in you. So God has called this church to encourage, equip, and empower the minister, the leader, that that life group leader in you, uh, that leader of a home, of an enterprise, of a business, of an enterprise Uh, There's a leader that God is is summoning from you. And so we want God to use this church, Lifehouse, to equip and empower you in Jesus' name. And then God has called this church to multiply. We want every believer, every disciple to multiply. We want you to feel like, like God has called you to reach out to friends and families and say, hey, God loves you. Invite them to church. Invite them to your small group, discipleship group. We want every ministry, every department to multiply. We would love for every campus to multiply. For every every two or three years, we want God to give every campus, there's seven campuses now that God has given us, to multiply. How many say amen? So we're not alone. God is doing something really, really special in Tijuana, Coachella, Delano, Wasco, uh, here in Bakersfield, East Bakersfield, online. And so if God has called you, if you sense like, Pastor, how do I get involved? It's called Next Steps. So Next Steps. So there's a a QR code right in front of you. Um, You can visit the information center. Um, All the pictures of me are gone. They would like, like, like just pop by popular demand. You might ask, Hey, I want a picture of the pastor. They're all gone. Uh, so you're, thank you very much for those of you that. Uh, but anyway, we want to connect with you. It's called Next Steps. And that will like, like connect you, the vision and mission of the church, your gifts and your abilities. Like what, how has God made you and formed you? And, and then how can you serve? And what area? What are your giftings? And we would love to connect also uh, just pray. This, this is a very powerful right around the corner um, uh, Easter. And this is, a, this is maybe the wrong question and the wrong time because we, we may or may not be prepared. But if we had a second service, let's say at 12.15, 12.15, how many is that more convenient for you rather than 11? I just want to see, show of hands, you would come to the 12.15 service, Three, four, five people, it ain't going to happen. Seven, 10, 12, okay. Four, so, so the goal, thank you guys up there. The, the goal is to make room in this service, right? Uh, to make room. And then the, we would like start fresh, like a youth, make that a younger service. Uh, the idea is to, to maybe make it um, young adults, you know, people they don't have jobs. <laughs> young adults, get it? Never mind. 
people that live with your parents, that would be you. No, just kidding. So we, we just want to scale. We would want God to just invite more people. How many say amen? So help us pray. We're trying to, by design versus by default, we're trying to move forward and ask God for Solomonic wisdom. Solomonic wisdom. There's a, I'm excited about today's uh, series. Uh, two messages that have to do with the triumphant uh, entry of Jesus Christ to Jerusalem. It's actually a bittersweet moment for Jesus. It's actually the end of his earthly ministry. This is the last time he goes into Jerusalem voluntarily. The, the la- the, that's the last time. The next time he goes into Jerusalem, he's bound and he's judged and he's crucified. But this is the last time that Jesus makes a triumphant entry uh, to Jerusalem and the crowds, the, they're, they're fickle. Crowds are sometimes in and then sometimes are out. There's a fickle person in you and me that sometimes, hey, I'm in, and then something happens. Almost like you get unplugged. Uh, Something goes wrong in your heart, maybe in a moment, a relationship, and then all of a sudden you change your mind or there's a spirit of, of vacillation. You vacillate between in and out. And James says that's very dangerous because uh, uh, a person who is double-minded is unstable in everything you do. Like, like in everything, like even in jobs and in workplaces and in careers and in school, uh, whatever you're doing, if you don't ask God for a steady, like committed uh, heart, uh, if you don't ask God or the Holy Spirit, like Holy Spirit, give me uh, steadiness, uh, give me a frame of mind, give me convictions uh, so that you're able to, 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 to weather those moments where you feel discouraged and you feel like quitting. You feel like unplugging from God's best uh, will for your life. And Paul says those that are double-minded, they're unstable in every way. James says they're unstable in every way. They're like the waves of the ocean that come and go and come and go. They can't make up their mind. So I pray in Jesus' name. I feel this is for somebody that today you, you've been like just you're, you're, on a, you're vacillating. You find yourself in this middle ground, in this place called between. Between a yes and a no. Between giving God all of your heart and not. Would you bow your heads with me? I just sense God's presence. Father, uh, not only for maybe an unbeliever here, but maybe for those of us that are believers. And have, we've been in and out of church, maybe churches. And we just can't make up our mind. Uh, Maybe we've been disappointed and hurt and the enemy tries to just bring that to mind and says, this is why. And instead of focusing on Jesus, instead of of putting your eyes and your gaze on him who called you and who is worthy. Because men and organizations and even the best churches are going to fall short. Um, Even the best pastors will disappoint. But Jesus never disappoints. He never fails. When you keep your eyes on him. And he is the author and the finisher of your faith. He is the one who calls. Uh, he, is, <laughs> he is in heaven giving out gifts. Jesus took captivity captive. And then he gave gifts to men when women gifts. And uh, Father, the best of gifts come from you, the Father of lights, in whom there is no shadow and no variance. You're steady. Um, for Christ Jesus is the same yesterday. He's the same today. And the same forever. And I pray for a steady mind, a steady soul, and a steady heart. In Jesus' name. In changing times, and changing times, and uncertain times. Be steady. Uh, make up your mind and say yes to God and then stick to it. In Jesus' name, to the glory of God, we pray. And God's people say, 
Amen and amen. Let's give the Lord a clap offering just for his presence. Welcome to Lifehouse. Thank you for being here. Um, the next two or three weeks are the Passion of the Christ. They're very, very holy. Next Sunday, we're going to be celebrating Palm Sunday, which is the Sunday that historically, this is historically in a calendar where Jesus made his triumphant entry to Jerusalem. This is just a little precursor, a little introduction to that, uh, to that uh, uh, message and to that story. And so I'm going to touch upon it today. Uh, but I'd like for you to just like make, make plans. Like this would be a great time to fast two or three days. Um, I would like to encourage some people that are ready to fast. Um, I love or to engage in a fast starting Sunday night. I love lunch with my family, you know, uh, lunch, etc. And then usually at six, I'll start Sunday night through Monday, Tuesday night, and then Wednesday at six. Um, you know, I, that's just my personal practice. Every two or three weeks, it's just what I do to kind of to commune with God, to, to gather my thoughts, to remind my flesh that, that my spirit is in charge. How many say amen? That, 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 that not the flesh and not because, but my spirit is in charge. And it's a, just God honors a, a fast that is done for the right reasons. Make time to spend time when you wake up. Spend the first 10, 15 minutes in the presence of God. Everybody could do that. Everybody can just like, like set first thing. First thing you do is think of God. Thank God for a new day, for a new fresh breath. Thank God for his mercies. The Bible says that every morning, even if you messed up the night or the day before, the Bible says that his mercies are new every day. God hits the reset button. When I was a teacher, I practiced that all the time. There were some kids that were like rascals, very difficult. And maybe, maybe we got off on the wrong start or something didn't happen right. But I would always give every student a dispensation, brand new, everywhere, every time. Because I would remember that God would start brand new with me every morning as well. So it's, it's a way for you to just learn, to, to spend a few minutes praying, going through scripture, uh, and just growing spiritually. You're going to need it sooner or later. You're going to need it. I'm excited about this message today. It's just a name above all names. We spent a great time fellowshipping and worshiping. So I'm going to try and be much more deliberate than normal. If you've got a phone and you, you feel like, hey, there's a, you know, a screenshot that you really feel like, hey, that's going to bless me. Just take that because I'm going to be much more deliberate this morning. For those of you that are new and we want to welcome you. Uh, church, would you help me just, again, appreciate the, the folks that are visiting for the first day. We want to just say thank you. We, we pray you make this your church, especially if you feel the Holy Spirit calling you for a journey uh, with Lifehouse. So Jesus is the name above all names. Uh, say it with me, Jesus. Name above all names. Say it one more time with me. Jesus. Name above all names. Uh, uh, that's in scripture and it's just not a slogan. It is a truth, an eternal truth. So, but let's start with the question, what's in a name, pastor? So what is in a name? So in a name is, is identity. It's the source. It's your spirit. It's who you are. And that's in, in a name. It's, it's in this case, we're going to talk about the name of God or Jesus, but also it is true for everyone. It's, it's the spirit, it's your soul person. So you're seeing Saul Gonzalez uh, in the flesh, but this is not who I am. Uh, I am not a body. Saul Gonzalez is a spirit. How many say amen? So you are a spirit with a soul. What is a soul, pastor? Is your thinking, is your emotions, is, is where you ponder, is where you, you hurt, is your feelings. Uh, your intellect is your soul. 
But your spirit is directly from God. It's your connection to God. And your connection with, your connection with yourself is called your spirit. The spirit. You are a spirit. You are a spirit, not a body. And so the enemy would like to confuse what you do with who you are. Hey, pastor, man, I've done some bad things, but that's not who you are. That's what you've done. You are a spirit, and God has given you the breath of life. That means you are eternal. You are an immortal already. I want to say that again. You'll never die. Your spirit and your soul will live forever, either in, the, in God's presence in heaven or in condemnation or in hell, because you are already an immortal. Just think of that, that when God... He breathed the breath of life and he gave you life and that which God can get, that which God gives you, no man can take away. Uh, no one can take away. It's how you steward your spirit. How, uh, how do you steward your identity? And don't let the devil tell you you're something that is damaged or no good uh, or pastor, I messed up. You are a spirit of the living God with a soul, with emotions and feelings and an intellect. That's your soul in a body. I'm going to say that one more time. You are a spirit. That's who you are. That's your identity. With a soul, with feelings, emotions, and intellect in this body. And, and it's, you know, and, and so we have to take care of all of, we're a triune being just like Christ or God is himself. And, and I want to just, just do, do a little pause, which is really, really important. How you steward your life, how you steward your time, the talents, um, your, your treasure and your temple, how you steward that is really, really important. Um, it'll help you go to the next level. It'll, it'll keep you uh, a lack of discipline, a lack of order in your life, negligence. Just, just uh, you, you're not able to follow a list of things that are important, priorities. Get them done. You'll be more happy, more proud. Don't give yourself rest. Don't give yourself leisure. Don't just go home and watch TV while things are, are still undone. Get the things that need to get done for that day first. And then you can rest like with a lot of peace and a lot of satisfaction. He says, man, you know, this day has been a good day. I accomplished some important things. How many say amen? So your identity is connected to your nature or your name. What's in a name? Your na the nature, the essence. Uh, well, for example, a plant has its nature. An animal has a name and a nature. Uh, a lion is different than a donkey in nature. So it's, it has to do with your nature, identities. We're going to talk about God's nature. Uh, what's in a name? Identity, nature, the essence of uh, your essence. And then what's in a name? In God's word, or in the Bible, God always gave a name that had a mission and a destiny tied to it. A mission and a destiny. So Abraham, Abram in the Bible is called Abram, which means exalted father. But God says that's not your mission and that's not your destiny. I'm going to call you Abraham, not Abram, but Abraham, because Abraham means uh, exalted father of nations, of all the nations, of many nations. Uh, for example, Sarai, that was her birth given name, earth or her birth name. But God says, nope, Sarai means uh, princess, princess. And uh, but Sarah, I'm going to change her name to Sarah, means my princess. Uh, because as long as Sarai was, was just a princess or an earthly princess, um, uh, you know, she could not bear children. Just go to chapter 17 uh, of, of Genesis and he shows up, God shows up and he tells Abraham, Abraham, I'm going to change your wife's name from Sarai to Sarah. I want you to note that sometimes when God changes your identity or he's working you to get steady with your identity, um, sometimes God will add something to you. You're deficient. You're a deficient of a consonant or a vowel. 
like Abraham, just at least in English and Spanish. He added, with Sarai, he took away a, 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 a vow. He took away a vow. For it's, sometimes you're just like, you're too much. You're too pompous. It's too much pride, too much prejudice, too much presumption. And God says, let me, let me cut you down to size, mister or sister. And so that's what he did to Paul. Paul was called Saul of Tarsus. Saul meaning uh, like called of God. But Paul means little one. Like I'm going to have to, because the gifts that I'm going to give you are so awesome. The anointing, the grace, the favor, the revelation that, man, it'll get to your head. So I want to remind you every day, little one. Paulito, Paulito. That's in Hebrew, by the way. Pablito. It's a Hebrew for those that know Hebrew, deep Hebrew. You know that a man, that pastor is like incredibly studied, uh, well-versed. Thank you very much. But, but so God did not just give ditch out names without uh, mission and destiny. For example, Jacob, he means slanderer. And God says, after he wrestles, he says, I'm going to change your nature and your name uh, and your destiny. I'm going to make you Israel. I'm going to call you Israel for you fought and you've wrestled with God and you've triumphed with God and men. And I'm going to call you Israel, Israel. And he transformed his name in scripture. Most of you know that maybe most of you don't know that Joshua's name was not Joshua. It was Hosea. Uh, Hosea. Some of you don't know Solomon. Or, or the prophet Naaman came and Nathan, Nathan came and says he's Jedediah, which means beloved of God, Solomon. And in scripture, just different men and women, God changed their identity, changed their, the name because what's in the name? Identity, nature, mission and purpose, and then behind it, the weight of a, the weight. If, if something is called uh, just, I don't know, dandelion, it doesn't have much authority. It doesn't scare you. But if, if, if there's a plant that's, uh, what's that plant that eats flies? What is it called? A fly trap. Don't ever inter interrupt me in front of everybody. Uh, Ray, thank you very much. Yeah, but a fly trap. Now that has a different power than a dandelion. Okay, let's say you're a rabbit or you're a lion, right? It's a different, it's a different source of power and strength. What's in a name? There's a weight and authority behind your name. So if you happen to be in Christ, you happen to have the authority of Christ in you. Uh, greater is he that is in you than in that whatever you're going to face in the world. So, so I just want you to grasp uh, the, the reality. For example, Simon was called Simon until Jesus changed his name to Peter. Now, if a name were not important, if a name were not important, God would not have gone through the trouble uh, and or the, the process of changing people's names in Scripture throughout all Scripture. And he changes Simon's name, son of Jonah or John, to Peter, Petros, Rock. Uh, upon that confession, I will build my kingdom. If a name were not important, most of you may or may not know that when you get to Bible, God is going to give you a new name. Uh, there's going to be a white, a white stone, the Bible says. And when you get to heaven, every one of us will have a brand new name. Uh, I'm not going to be Saul or in, in heaven. I imagine, and I've said this maybe once or twice, I can imagine myself and I just instinctly feel that when I get to heaven, God is, my new name is going to be Hercules. Just, I just don't ask me why. Uh, some of you will be different, very lowly, just this like barely with angel wings. Or who knows what you're going to be? Uh, but in heaven, you will be given a new identity. You will be given a new name. So that's really important so that you can already begin to, to just embrace that identity matters. Your identity in Christ matters. Nothing is more important. Nothing is greater. So we are uh, the humans. There's a plant, animal, human, and then angel. 
And the, and the Bible says in Psalms that we are just, just a bit um, inferior, just a little bit inferior in our makeup, in our nature than an angel, than an angel. But when, when man fell, when angels fell, God condemned them. There's no redemption for one third of the angels that are now demons, no redemption. But when man fell, when Adam and Eve fell into sin, God so loved them and God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, so that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. There was a rescue plan uh, in place the minute, the moment that that man fell. Uh, there was a sacrifice. God, uh, you know, um, Adam tried to cover himself with fig trees, that fig leaves that wither, like probably in days or in hours. So God says, that's not going to work. Okay, you're not with me, both for Eve and Adam. That's not going to work. Like leaves are not going to cut it. So God uh, made the first sacrifice. And God took a sacrifice of an animal. And the Bible says that he covered them in animal skins. Uh, and so that's how much that sacrifice was an atonement, a, uh, a harbinger, if you will, a pre-type of Christ Jesus, the Lamb of God, dying on Calvary's cross for you. I just wanted to take time because I'd like for you to just kind of understand the importance of who you are and the name of God and that your name connected to God and how it has at least these four elements, uh, identity, uh, nature, your mission and your destiny uh, in life, um, and authority, the authority. I want you to just see with me real quickly just some of the names of God in the Old Testament. Elohim is God the creator. God creates uh, the creator. El Shaddai is God almighty, almighty God. El Olam is God everlasting. Uh, God never dies. He's eternal, the eternal God. Jehovah Nisi is that God is your covering. He's your banner. Uh, he's what your protection, if you will. Uh, Jehovah uh, Rohi uh, is that God is my shepherd. He's the shepherd. Jehovah Rapha is that God is my healer. Jehovah Shama, I love Jehovah Shama, means that God is here. Jehovah Shama. Yeah? God, Jehovah Shama. Yahweh Shama is that God is present. Uh, the four main attributes of God. They're just this is He's omnipotent. That means all-powerful. He's omniscient. That means he's all-knowing. He's omnipresent right here. Chama. He's everywhere. He's, there's no place that God cannot be or not is. And then he's omnibenevolent. He's always good all the time. He's omnibenevolent. God is good. God is good. God is good. Pastor, I'm going through a terrible time. God is good. Pastor, I'm going through grief and brokenness and loss. God is good all the time, even through brokenness and losses, because God loves you. And God is love. God is love. How many say amen? Let's, let's, wanna, let's give the Lord praise. Amen. Uh, Jehovah Jireh, he's your, God is a provides. Jehovah Shalom, he's my peace, he's my peace. These are just a few. There's, there's a cacophony of, of names, just an incredible number of names in the Old Testament. Even for someone like, um, like Hagar, some of you would know or remember the story of Hagar. She's a, she's a hurt woman. She's, she's been rejected. Um, um, she's, she was used as a surrogate uh, substitute womb for Abraham and Sarah. And in their weakness, they, they found an Egyptian slave and they used her. That's the truth. She was used. And now she's got a baby or she's pregnant. She's got a young boy. Um, and, and when she got pregnant, Sarah got jealous. 
begins to mistreat her and abuse her like many, many men or women, especially been abused and rejected in relationships. And so she finally says, I'm out of here. She takes the boy. They run out of food and water and they're in the desert and she's about to die. And the Bible says that, that Ishmael cried. He wept. And when he wept, God heard. And then God shows up. And then God, like from in the desert, from a rock, there's a spring. Come, water comes forth. And he tells, uh, he tells Hagar, Hagar, I have a plan for you. Because, because that child is Abraham. And I've promised Abraham, I've given Abraham a covenant that I'm going to bless him no matter what. And I'm going to bless his seed no matter who it is. <laughs> uh, that's, that's what happens when you're in Christ Jesus. Man, God's going to bless you no matter what. Okay? No matter what. Don't make me say things that I shouldn't be saying. What? Uh, God is going to bless you. Now you're going to pay the consequences for whatever a man sows. That's what you're going to reap. But man, you've got Abraham's blessing. You have the blessing. So God says, you know, I'm going to bless him. I'm going to make him a mighty person as well. And so she calls that place the God that sees me. So I forget the, the, the Hebrew word, but it basically is the God who sees me. Right now, he's here. Je Jehovah Shammah is here. And he's the God that sees you. Your condition, your circumstances, right where you are, he sees. How many say amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. He sees and he knows. And he hears your cries. And so I want to just, just take you one step further. Now, now, how does this translate to the New Testament? So um, um, Paul says that Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. So I'm going to say that again. Christ is the visible incarnation. God with us. Emmanuel. So God descended because in, in the Old Testament, no one could see God. No one could touch God. Moses just saw the backside of God and it was too much. He says, I can't take it anymore. Just, just the, the aura of God. Uh, so how does God come and connect with all of us? How does the God that is in heaven, that is eternal, that is almighty, all-powerful, invisible, invisible, uh, too holy to, be, to behold, too holy to behold, how does he connect with his children, with, with humanity? So, uh, son, so the pre-incarnate God, the, through the son Jesus, um, Emmanuel, uh, John tells us that the word became flesh, and the word was God. And the word, uh, the word was with God and the word was God and the word became flesh. Um, and so right here we see uh, Paul saying that Christ is the visible, palpable image of the invisible, unpalpable God. How many say amen? Now watch some of these attributes so that this is theology for people like, hey, Pastor, why is Jesus God? Um, before anything was created and is... Uh, so he existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation through him, through Christ. God created everything in heavenly, in the heavenly realms and earth. He made, Jesus made all things that we can see and things that we cannot see, the visible and invisible, such as thrones and kingdoms and rulers and authorities in unseen and the unseen world. God, Jesus created all those things. Everything was created through him. And for him, okay, for him, uh, he holds all creation, Jesus does, holds all creation together. How many say amen? In Colossians, Paul continues, for in Christ dwells the fullness of God. The fullness of the Godhead, it says uh, the old uh, 
King James Version, uh, in human body, in human form, or corporately. So you are complete through, the, through your union in Christ Jesus, who is the head over every ruler and all authority. Over all, and authority, Jesus says in Matthew 28 to his disciples, all authority and all power have been given to me or are mine in heaven and in earth. Just think of that. When he says all authority and all power, that means you're not an orphan. That means that if you're in Christ, you have, through Christ Jesus, you have authority and you have strength and you have power and you have wit and you have wisdom. Through Christ Jesus, you know who is the wisdom of God? The Bible calls Jesus the wisdom of God. I'll say that again. First Corinthians, you can read it. Chapter one, Jesus is the power and the wisdom of God. That's what he says. Paul says that Jesus is the power and the wisdom of God. So that if you have Christ and you embrace the presence or, or the essence or the person of Christ Jesus, God has given you wit and wisdom and withitness. Withitness is like to be able to see inside you, strength in, in inside you, and then wherewithal, the ability to have tools and use them correctly. Uh, in Christ Jesus. And so I love this verse because it says that you are complete through uh, your union in Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. And so Paul continues, or in the book of Acts, uh, Peter says, salvation is found in no one else. So, so why do we call this, uh, this sermon series a name, the name above all names? Okay, Jesus, name above all names. Because there is no other name that has been given to man human to mankind where why or which by we might be saved there's only one name under all of heaven where a mankind can be saved and so um, salvation is found in no one else for there is no other name say that with me say it for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved so there's only one name that is above all names. So all these Old Testament names of, of God that are like powerful, mighty reflection, the God of hosts, the host of the armies of God, the God who draws near, uh, the God who sees me, all of those, Paul says, you, all of those are incorporated, um, are now in, are dwell, dwell uh, in, the, in Christ Jesus, the whole um, Fullness of God, the deity of God dwells, uh, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They dwell in, in bodily form, uh, in the person, the majesty, our Lord and Savior that we call Jesus Christ. How many say amen? So not only that, yet all who did receive him, to those who believe in his name, those who believe in his name, he gave them the right, the authority, and the power to become children of God. So this verse, the context is that the Bible says that Jesus came to his own, the, the Jewish people, but his own did not receive him. But to those who did receive him and believed in his name, God granted them the authority, the right to become the children of God. And if you and I are children of God, then we are heir, heirs in Christ Jesus. Uh, we are uh, co-heirs in Christ and we have been seated in heavenly places um, so the name of all, all names, in essence, is that a humble king, um, um, a, that God sends a humble king um, for a humble, for humble hearts. Um, that's that's what the incredible, that God is so powerful, so awesome, so mighty, and that yet when he became a man and he became in bodily form, 
He came not as somebody who was pompous. He could have paraded his power and his, his incredible knowledge. But he took form of a man, of a servant. And then he came humble. He, he humbled himself. And then he, when he entered Jerusalem, he entered as a humble king riding on a donkey and not on a steed or a stallion, but a donkey. So I'm going to leave that for next week because I think we've had a great service, but it's, it's here. Um, it's, these verses are found uh, in the Gospel of Matthew and Luke and Mark. All of these three Gospels like, had this incredible story. But I'm going to just say that Jesus told two disciples when he was going to prepare to go to Jerusalem, he says to two of his disciples, go. Luke actually gives them like directions incredible. Turn here, go there. You're going to find, uh, you're going to find uh, um, a she donkey and, uh, and a, um, uh, a young donkey. What do they call them here? Uh, find a donkey tied there with the colt, the colt. You're going to find the mom and, and, and the son. But they're bound and they're, they're tied. And God cannot use them. Jesus cannot use them until they're, they're unleashed, until they're, they become free. And so that is what is going to be like next week's message is how, do you, how does God unleash your potential? How do you get untied from things in the past, from circumstances, for single moms and, sing, and, and kids that maybe you grew up without a dad and how God goes out of his way to say, unleash them, untie them, and then bring them hither, bring them to me. Um, and, and it's just a, a powerful story of how a great God and a great king takes the lowly route in a donkey, a mom in a, in a colt, and, and they ride into Jerusalem. There's a point where the Pharisees in, in the Gospel of Luke say, hey, you better quiet them down. This is not right. This is a blasphemy against God. And Jesus says, hey, if you quiet them down, if these folks don't, don't praise me, if they don't cry out, the, ro the rocks will cry out. Think of that. Jesus was not using hyperbole. If, if, if God's people don't opt to worship and praise and lift the name of Jesus, God will use inanimate objects to do so because God will get his praise. God will have, get his glory with you or without me, with this church or without this church, because God is worthy. Christ is worthy of all exaltation and praise and honor and glory and honor and praise. I'm going to go and find the verse that I want to just concentrate on here. Um, this message really, really is a powerful message. Uh, but I, I, I feel like we want to just be very, we want to steward this moment. And um, uh, so, so this is in essence Paul's, this is the essence of this message, is have the same mindset, the same attitude as Christ Jesus, who being um, in very, uh, in very nature, God Himself. He was, he was in the, in very nature, in very nature, God. He was God. He did not consider uh, equal equality with God something to use as to His own advantage. Rather, He made Himself nothing. He made Himself nothing by taking uh, the very nature of a servant, of a human being, being made in human likeness. And then being found in the appearance, in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death on a Christ. He, he became obedient to death. He humbled himself, took the form of a human, 
of a servant, of a slave, and then humbled himself. He who was immortal, immortal and invisible, became mortal and visible, and he humbled. He let death think that he, would, that, that he could um, basically kill God. That was God himself sharing, being the precursor, precursor, being our, our first um, of or the first fruits and saying that you must die. You want to live? You want to live? You must die. You, 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 want, you want God to glorify himself? You must take, you must humble yourself. Jesus says that whoever exalts himself, Luke chapter 14, verse 11, whoever vaunteth himself, whoever exalts himself, whoever gives himself, um, you know, praise and honor and tries to exalt himself, he shall be humbled. That person will be humbled. But whoever humbles himself, whoever takes the, the, the humble, the road to humility, uh, I will exalt. In other words, there's only one road, one way to greatness, and that's humility. <laughs> that's knowing you're not great, and the only thing and the only one that's great is God. How many, how many say amen? Amen. I just love God today. I just love God today. Uh, would you close your eyes with me? We're just going to just, just close your eyes with me. I think we're, we're, we're good. I just close your eyes. I think we want to, I want to be sensitive, man. God's been here in such a special way. And sometimes it's, it's not. Most of the time, it's not even about the notes. It's not about the sermon. It's about you being sensitive to what God is saying. Is there an area in your life where you know pride has taken you in the wrong direction? I would say most of us. Do you know that most of our relationships, when they don't go well, I promise you, pride is right in the middle. He's the culprit. Pride and prejudice and presumption. Pride, prejudice is when you are, your beliefs are wrong. They're wrong toward others. They're wrong toward yourself. Pride is, is a haughty spirit. It says where you feel your pride, your, your, your flesh, does not want to acknowledge, does not want to humble itself. So through the apostle Peter, he says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. So Peter says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And then God will exalt you in due course of time. God will see fit that he promotes you, that he blesses you, that he enlarges your territory, that he, that he exalts you. That's what the Bible says in due time, in due time. And um, I, I believe with all my heart that most of our relationships that have gone south or sour, most of the opportunities that we've lost out in life, maybe you had a, a better job or God had something better for you. Pride is right in the middle because the Bible says that pride goes before the fall, before the failure of a relationship is pride. Uh, you don't like it. Somebody, somebody said something that, that crossed you. Somebody did something. And you could not see yourself, sister or mister, forgiving that person like God has forgiven you. It's not like you have not crossed God. It is not like if you have not offended God's grace. But when somebody had the audacity to cross a line, you took it personally and you took umbrage. And you said, no, I will not. Or you, even if you said, I have forgiven, there's still something in your heart a thorn, if you will, a prick, if you will, that's poison, that's poisoned your spirit, your soul. You've not allowed God and his lowliness, his humility, that he came riding into Jerusalem, not on a stallion, but on a donkey. I just think of that. Just, just think of that. The God of glory, the God of heavens, the great God of the Old Testament takes form of a human, of a man, of a slave, 
of a servant and he humbles himself and rides in in his greatest moment in his ministry. And he rides in on a young donkey, on a colt. And if that does not speak of God's greatness, that one of his greatest attributes, yes, it's holiness. That's uh, Amen. He's holy, three times holy. And yes, he is love. And that is so awesome. And yes, God is gentle and generous. But one of his greatest attributes that just boggles the mind is that he's humble. <laughs> that God is humble. And those that are going to embrace God's heart, those that are going to know him intimately, they need to develop and cultivate a humble heart, a humble spirit. And not think of us as more than what we should. But think of others, Paul says, think of others as superior to you. See a child, see your, your, your neighbor, see your friend, see your fellow man, see your family members and treat them as better than you. So when you go to those family reunions, man, put away your pride, put away the past and your prejudice and your presumption, put them all away and then walk like Christ did. <laughs> that by God's grace we are here man by God's grace man if I've got something I know something if God has blessed me with something or someone it is by God's grace and not by and not because I've earned it and not because I deserved it would you uh, um, just as you're you're sitting there today thank you worship team for being here just just if you're here today say pastor I want to make sure my life is right with God I want to make my life I want to make sure my life is right with God can you just slip up your hand right where you're at because I if you if you're here today man I want to pray for you I see hands man that is so encouraging to say to just say people see people saying pastor I want to be right with God and then I want to make sure that I'm born again born again is when you've given Christ your heart and you say to God, I'm a sinner. That's right, I'm a sinner. And save me from me. Save me from my sins and from myself and from my just my pride. Save me from my past and my prejudice and my presumptuousness. Save me, oh God, and come and live in my heart. So if you're ready, church, would you say that prayer with me? Everybody, those of you that lifted up your hands, probably more than a dozen here. Church, would you help us say that prayer with them? Everyone say, Lord Jesus. I confess I'm a sinner in need of a savior. Save me today by your grace through faith. I receive you as my king, my master, my Lord, and my savior. From this day forward, Holy Spirit, empower me to live for your glory, to resist temptation, sin and this world and embrace the love of God that I may serve and love others through Christ Jesus my Lord and Savior in Jesus name and God's people say amen and amen let's give the Lord a clap offering hallelujah thank you so very much for joining us today on the Lifehouse podcast I pray and hope this message has encouraged, inspired, and challenged you to grow closer to God. 
If you would like to be a part of what God is doing here at LifeHouse, visit our website at lifehousechurch.com. That's lifehousechurch.com for more information or consider subscribing and share it with one of your friends and family. Thank you again for being part of our journey, your journey, that will lead you to know God better, grow together, and go serve and make a difference. Thank you again. God bless you. See you next time.